live from Mobile Podcast Command in the midst of a big rain and wind storm here in Arizona, Quartzsite, Arizona, where I hang during the winter months, getting ready to head over to Florida in about three weeks. So this podcast is kind of a second in a series, I guess, of podcasts that I've done really focusing on whether or not nomad life is waning. And I, I, I'm going to talk about in this podcast uh, an interesting thing that happened. A friend of mine uh, talked about me on a syndicated radio show, and I, I was really interested to hear his take on what I'm doing without me being involved in the conversation. He was talking to uh, the uh, host of this show, and the host was very uh, suddenly became very interested in this idea during the course of their little conversation. I'm going to play it for you a little bit later on. I need to say that at the at the outset. So it provoked uh, a little bit further discussion along these lines. And so this podcast is entitled um, Still Captivated by Nomad Life, Bob Davis Podcast 1130, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Another thing about Nomad Life that uh, I've really not talked a lot about is sometimes the nutrition issue is a big issue. People don't eat or they eat bad food. And so it's helpful to have... Uh, supplements and things that can help you stay uh, well on the road. This is also true for people back in the world. This isn't just limited to uh, nomads. So I want to call your attentions to Big Treat Health. This is a company that produces this treat. They call it a treat, which is uh, basically a small, tiny little uh, bar that is similar in consistency and feel to a Cliff Bar, but it's made with uh, non-GMO and gluten-free ingredients, and it's actually plant-based, so it's really good for you. My friend Mindy Collins is repping this company, and she asked me to talk about it a little bit, and she she sent me a bag. I ate the whole bag because they're really good. Now, these are the Strawberry Akai uh, Ultimate Treat uh, Big Treats, and they're really good. They're not even that big. I actually ate the whole bag because I'm the kind of guy that can sit and eat a bag of pretzels. It's better to eat a bag of these than it is to eat a bag of pretzels. So if you're interested in a superfood protein treat that provides on-the-go nutrition with some of the healthiest ingredients available on the planet, then you're interested in Big Treat. You go to BigTreat.com. And uh, Mindy Collins is the person that sent me this, and her uh, code is Mindy15, and you can can enter that code. Still Captivated by Nomad Life. Previous podcast, Podcast 1129, I talked about some of the issues that I've noticed recently, uh, questioning whether the uh, trend uh, to go back to work has sort of pulled people off the road and sort of taken the bloom off the rows of this concept of nomad life. And then out of the blue, uh, my friend Bob Sweeten sent me this um, audio clip of uh, his appearance on this show called Bob and Sherry. This is a syndicated radio show. It's been around for a long, long time, broadcast out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Bob, uh, better known as Max, and I have worked together since we were teenagers, basically, Uh, So we've known each other a very long time. And I actually was on uh, a podcast that Sherry, one of the partners of this uh, syndicated radio show, uh, does and with Bob called The Oddcast uh, a long time ago. I I was on this uh, podcast where I talked about when when I first set out on this kind of um, uh, 
you know, embarked on this uh, experience, the nomad life experience. Uh, I was in Charlotte in, in 2020 and uh, Bob, uh, actually, I think it was 2021 because I think, I believe it was after my mom died. And Bob said, hey, if you're going to come through Charlotte, let's do, let's do a thing together. So we did. And then he was was just out of nowhere mentioning this on the Bob and Sherry show. And, and, and so Bob, Sherry was gone. Bob, the host, became very, very interested in this, this concept. Why am I going to play this? Well, it kind of took me back because it shows the level of interest that people still have in this concept of cutting loose and being free to make your own decisions and decide what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and how you're going to do it. It's not easy. Uh, I've talked about this experience ad infinitum uh, on the podcast to the chagrin of people who remember me talking about politics. I'm not going to talk about politics anymore because I embarked on this new kind of adventure, and it is an adventure. So I'm going to play this clip from uh, the Bob and Sherry show with Max slash Bob uh, talking to Bob, the host of the show, uh, Sans Sherry, about this guy he knows. And I'm going to play it, and then I'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Today, Sherry is tending to her husband, Kevin, who is recovering from uh, surgery. Uh, nothing that was life-threatening, but a little bit of pain involved, and she's taking care of him. And um, I was talking to Max off Mike just a little while ago, and I want to bring our audience in on this because I think people are fascinated with people who have really unusual lifestyles. And you have a friend that yeah. fits this category, don't you? Yeah, I've, I've known this guy since I was a teenager and we were both mm -hmm. working in radio. And then he went on and had some pretty major success in his life in the radio industry as a programmer mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. And um, he worked doing a political talk in Minneapolis. And then one day he just said, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. And he had a podcast following, but he's not doing political anything. And so he sold everything he owned. And I mean, mm. everything he owned. Mm -hmm. And um, his assessment was, we have a lot of stuff that just doesn't serve any purpose that we just kind of gather around us, you know? And he was it's just, so true. He was talking about all kinds of stuff that he threw away. He went, I hadn't even seen some of this stuff in 20 years. And mm -hmm. so he bought an old ambulance and he lives in the back of the ambulance and he is a real nomad and he drives around. And uh, right now in the wintertime, he is hanging out in Quartzsite, Arizona, because the weather there is a little bit better. He doesn't want to get caught in any really bad, you know, winter weather. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah. has a podcast. It's called the Bob Davis Podcast. And if you look it up, you can find it. And he sells advertising on it. And uh, that is how he uh, makes his money. And something else he does is he says, if you want to donate money to me, Here's a GoFundMe. And people uh, set up monthly amounts of money that they send him so he can continue on this adventure. He started this right before Wait, wait, COVID let's hit. just, let's just, can we just hold it for there? Doesn't that amaze you? I mean, this was not something that was a part of my father's generation where people would no. give you money. Isn't it? I mean, it's just, why do people do it, do you think? You know, the first of this phenomenon was a woman by the name of Karen who had gotten on in debt and she mm -hmm. set it up. We we interviewed her on the show, and she set up a thing on the internet. And this is before there was any social media or any of that stuff. And the website yeah. was called Save Karen, and people sent her money to help her get out of debt. And it was the first inkling I had that people were willing to do this. But yeah. people 
people, I think people in, in general are very generous. You know, we had Mojo, our, our little miniature schnauzer, he, he had a major surgery and there was no way we could have afforded it. It was an exorbitant amount of money, but it was to save his life. And the doctor said, yes, his life will be normal after this. We set up a GoFundMe and Bob and Sherry listeners sent the money. We had the money in less than a day to do this surgery. Are you kidding? Uh -uh. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah. I so, understand yeah. that because they know who you are. But just to say, you know, uh, in your friend's instance, you know, this guy sounds like kind of a cool guy. Let me let, let me help him have an uh, interesting life. That's, that is so inspiring that people would do that. Anyway, continue. Now, now the ambulance, it, what kind of an ambulance is it? It was a used ambulance. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the box. So it's like a truck in the front, you know, and it's oh, got boxy. like the box on the back, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, okay. And it's a diesel. And uh, he's yeah. had to have yeah. some work done on it through the course of time. Uh, because mm. I think this ambulance was in Minneapolis, so there was a little bit of salt problems underneath because sure. of all the winter weather there. Now, he right. started doing this. He left on his adventure Halloween of 2019, which was right before the pandemic hit. And so right. he has spent the whole pandemic being a nomad and traveling wow. around. And, and uh, where does he go in the summertime? Does he tell you? Uh, so this past summer, he was up in Minneapolis and the Wisconsin area because he has some family mm -hmm. that's up that way. Right. Uh, and so he uh, he and he's had he had a couple physical things happen. So you're you're by yourself on the road, and if you fall <laughs> and you you separate your shoulder, you have to get yourself to the hospital. And he's right. He's had some well, you have an am you have an ambulance. You're in an ambulance, Bob, but you <laughs> yeah, don't have quick. the ambulance crew <laughs> yeah. or any of the equipment there. Although <laughs> the weird thing is, in that ambulance was a place to dispose of syringes, and you need a key. But the old <laughs> syringes are still rattling around. In there <laughs> no, so, well yeah you broke you broke your arm you could roll the window down go <laughs> but no he's he got somebody to paint it he got a logo and it says the bob davis podcast on the outside oh. of this this uh, ambulance wow and, um, what an interesting guy he is an interesting guy he, he's just he is one of my dearest and oldest friends yeah. and he is there was never a moment of regret that he had about doing this because he had really? been married and he has a son and the son has grown. And, sure. you know, he just decided this is what I want to do. And right. he has enjoyed it. And if you listen to the podcast, he has a true joy about what he's doing. And you Isn't think after terrific? a period of time, maybe he'd get tired of it? Uh-uh. No. Mm -mm. He loves yeah, the I fact think... that he doesn't have to pay for heat. Yeah or uh, homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance, any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What a, uh, I think a lot of people right now are smiling and saying, you know, sounds pretty good to me. I that's wonder if they, I could do it. That's why, yeah, they send good him, luck. that's why they send him the money. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. I think that oh, is yeah. why they send him. It's Bob and Sherry. All right. So in the second half of this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about this, um, this uh, experience. Uh, that that uh, that Bob seems to have had or had thinking about what I do and and I I love this by the way I, this is not a, some kind of critique I I love what he had to say and I thought it was great the only thing that I would say is he he gets people to send him money I do ask for people to send donations if they want to support the Bob Davis podcast you can do it at the Bob com just look for the donate window it takes you to PayPal and you can send me whatever you want uh, also if you really want to help. 
uh, subscribe and listen to the Bob Davis podcast on iTunes. That really helps my overall effort. You know, donations are not the only source of income for this podcast. I also, for years, have uh, sold advertising to advertising partners uh, in the Bob Davis podcasts, and it's effective. Uh, and if you're interested in that, you can also just email me or contact me through the Bob Davis podcast.com. But anyway, I didn't want to leave people with the impression that uh, I'm constantly shilling to get people to send me money. But people, this is the thing that I think is fascinating about the internet and everything else. If people see you doing something that they want to support, uh, they will send it. I don't do Patreon. I don't do uh, a subscription website. So, you know, if somebody wants to send me $5 to quote unquote subscribe, that's fine. Also, I've recently restarted my YouTube channel, and you can subscribe to that as well. But again, I'm not asking for people to send money via the YouTube channel. But uh, that was the only thing about it. I wanted to make it clear because I didn't want to look like I was some guy, you know, shilling for money. It's a big help. Let's just put it that way, and thank you. To start with, let's talk about freedom. There's a fair amount of pushback from people who don't understand this lifestyle about this concept of freedom. You know, and I'll see it in comments, like you're not really free, you just think you are, or you're running away from a problem. You know, you need to take a look at yourself because you're doing this. And it's very interesting to me because on the negative side, not to harp on the negative, but on the negative side, it's almost like there's a, a certain level of jealousy and an interest in um, discrediting whatever it is that we're doing. And I wanted to say, this is what, you know, I was thinking about the other night when I was listening to this and also just, you know, in ruminating before this podcast, I was thinking, you know, if somebody makes a decision like going out on the road permanently in any form, the digital nomad, you know, the travel agent who travels constantly, the guy in the van, whatever, they don't do it, and they and and actually, I don't want to say should, but uh, should not do it as a value judgment against some other lifestyle, whether it's living in a house on the suburbs or living in the city or whatever it is or wherever it is that you live. It's easy to do that. It's easy to think, oh, I've got it so great doing this, and everybody should do this. But I don't think that, and I've never really said everybody, I don't think everybody should do this. It's, it's a euphoric experience, certainly in the first year. And the last time I talked to Bob personally, it was pretty much the first year or so. And so in the first year, you have this incredibly euphoric experience because you're traveling and you're rolling and you're seeing and you can get up when you want to get up and you can travel when you want to travel, even if you have certain obligations. If you have a small business or you have certain work obligations, IT or whatever uh, you do, you still have a little bit more freedom. Uh, I never said, nor do I believe, that we are exempt from paying taxes, that we are exempt from adult responsibility, that we are exempt from caring about anything or anybody else in the world, that we uh, don't experience loneliness or struggles, or that life isn't difficult. 
because I'm sure you're familiar with the saying, wherever you are, there you are. You bring with you all of the things that uh, were part of your life before you go out on the road. So whatever it is that you were dealing with when you decided to go on the road, you're going to deal with on the road until it works out. My experience has been that it gives you time. I need time to process. That's one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I, I can work in a highly uh, pressurized environment, but... I need to take time to process and it really helps to be on the road because when I'm out here, I have the freedom in terms of time to process. I've never said that we are exempt from responsibilities uh, of life, which is one of the reasons that it makes it harder because uh, you're, you have to manage uh, living on the road. And so there are always things that have to be done. There's, there's, uh, you have to maintain and repair your uh, rig. You have to go to the store. You have um, constantly dealing with shifting things around, finding things, losing things. Where did that go? Where did this go? Do I have this? Do I have that? Do I have tortillas? I thought I did. Do I have pretzels? I thought I did. Do I have big treats? I thought I did. Do I have oil? You know, how much canned food? I thought the other night I wanted to have peaches and whipped cream. I bought the whipped cream, came back, went through my cans, and I couldn't find any peaches. Usually I have four or five cans of peaches. You know, you're constantly dealing with the same kind of stuff that you dealt with back in the world on a slightly smaller scale. We do not have, you know, heat bills. We do not have power bills. Uh, I have solar. I don't need to have a generator. Uh, everything is powered by the sun in this vehicle now. So uh, I don't have those kinds of problems. But guess what? I have to buy firewood. If I want to have a fire to cook on, I have to uh, buy certain kinds of supplies. So we're, we're, we do have to spend money. So again, we're not free from the constraints of um, adult life. It's not, uh, it's not that kind of an experience. One group, I guess you could say, of people uh, have come on the road because they can't afford to live in an apartment. I think that's a transitory thing. I don't think that's going to last. We'll see. But I think we're going to see uh, rent and home prices start to come down. But that might take some people off the road. And that was the subject of uh, is nomad life over. But I am always surprised to hear the level of interest and captivation by the so so the concept of being a nomad and being able to go anywhere you want being able to visit a national park or being able to as i'm going to do drive across the country to florida at any time is a captivating uh idea for people who are trapped in a house trapped in a town and especially trapped in a job and lifestyle. And I think it has wider implications to society as a whole because I think life in society as a whole is increasingly difficult. Uh, It's increasingly difficult to get medical care. It's increasingly difficult and expensive to find a good place to live, especially if you have kids. It's increasingly difficult to, to find groceries at a reasonable cost. It's, ex- it's increasingly difficult to deal with people for whatever reason. Uh, it's increasingly difficult to deal with institutions that don't want to talk to you and don't want to solve your problem. So really what this life is about to a large degree is reducing your exposure to those kinds of caustic uh, experiences. 
So when you when you cut it way down, and that's the most important thing, when you simplify it out, and this is where we have uh, conversations a lot about people out here who bring all, I call it bringing the nightmare to the dream. They bring all the stuff from back in the world to them, with them, to this place, let's say, Quartzsite, or they bring it out with them on the road. And I, too, brought a lot of stuff that is it ended up going into storage because I didn't need it. And and you would be surprised at how little you actually need out here if you learn to manage it properly. I have friends that say, you know, boy, you've really lived uh, an interesting two or three years. And there's a lore to this that you have to learn. Not only uh, campsite and campground manners, but how to kind of manage how you're going to go and where you're going to go and when you're going to go and how to figure out what you need and what you don't need. I left home with a cooler uh, and no, this thing didn't even have an inverter in it. So I had no power, even though when I, when I got the ambulance, my friend Ed was like, well, you got, you got uh, 110 in here. And I thought I had 110, but when I bought the ambulance, the people that sold it to me, not Ed, but the people that he bought it from at, at auction, uh, pulled the inverter out. So I didn't have an inverter and I didn't even know that you had to have an inverter until I got to Phoenix because I didn't have any power. I didn't have any heat. Um, so I would sit, I would sit here and when I pulled into a truck stop, I didn't even go to campgrounds really in the beginning. I would, uh, let the truck run all night and uh and there's a heating system in the back and everything. So I let the exhaust fan and the heat run all night I had bald tires, um, you know, I, there are so many things that over the time have sort of fallen by the wayside. I now have a refrigerator, I have solar, I have a power station that uh, is 2000 watts, it provides all the power I need overnight. So now I have an electric blanket, I have, um, you know, a big memory foam mattress I roll out on the floor, you know, but this is much more simple than uh, a you know a three-bedroom apartment back in the world and a lawn and two cars at one point i had three cars paying insurance and all that stuff so the great value of the, of doing this initially is this experience of releasing all that stuff and this is the other thing and and i've said this talked about this many times don't want to belabor it if you if you listen to all my podcasts but i couldn't believe how how much better i felt when I threw everything away. And I learned something in doing that. I learned most of the things that you have in storage, most of the things that you have uh, in your house, usually ends up in the garage or in closets, you will never look at again, especially uh, what I would call artifacts from your work life at a certain point in your life. I can't tell you how many times I moved because I was in radio. I can't tell you how many times I moved year after year after year and moved boxes and things like that. Last summer, uh, my ex-wife and I discovered that we had, um, uh, her dad owned a company and they had a lot of space. And we had, I think it was something like 10 pallets of stuff that had been stored there since nine since the 1990s that we'd forgotten about completely so last summer was consumed 
with me driving this giant truck back and forth to the Twin Cities and my uh, my sister-in-law's boyfriend having to do the same thing to get this stuff up to the lake, pull it off the truck, and then put it in a, a pole barn so that we could go through it all. Uh, and so I, I ended up going through throwing everything away again as well. And being in radio, uh, I had, uh, well, I've had occasions both to be on the air for 20 years and also to program radio stations and be in management for 30 years. So I had, or whatever it was, 20 years. So I had playlists and you know, cards that DJs use on the air and, you know, all these things that I had devised over the years, piles and piles of what we called run sheets for radio shows and everything else that I thought was going to be important. And I don't care what you do. If you're a doctor, if you worked, uh, you were, you worked in a plant someplace, you've got HR handbooks, you've got strategic planning, uh, three ring binders, you know, piled up. So I had to go through that again of throwing most of that stuff away. And here's what I did. I just, I, I, I said to myself, what if I was an archaeologist and I couldn't take everything? So I would take things that were representative. Because the thing I learned is I remember that stuff. I know what the import of that stuff was. I know what we did with that stuff. Research reports. I used to do market research and I had, I had piles and piles and piles of these market reports that I had saved over the years. No one in the future, my son, his son, you know, whoever, none, nobody's ever going to look at that stuff and know what it was. So I saved little representations of that work because it means something to me and I can explain it. So I have a couple of boxes like plastic containers, uh, which are relatively full of these representations of the things that I did for work, which is important to me. And and to preserve some semblance of that work is important to me. But the rest of it, I threw away again. So not only did I empty out an entire apartment, and, an, and which is really a duplex, an entire garage and th- just throw I had a dumpster in my front yard a construction dumpster full of stuff not only did I throw all that away I had to do it again last year and I find that occasionally you have to do this again and again and again even in uh, a 20-foot ambulance with about a 10 and a half foot box that I live in so every now and then I have to go through and I have to start throwing things away because I don't touch them. I don't use them unless they have some purpose just in case they got to go. Like I keep the first aid kit. I keep, you know, uh, certain extension cords and things like that. But most of the time when I go back to Wisconsin, uh, you know, in the summer, I either throw that stuff away or I put it in the storage area in the, in, you know, in this pole barn where we keep everything because you don't need that stuff. So I think the freedom really is is from uh, you know jettisoning jettisoning all of that stuff that you've been carrying around for years and years and years and I don't care if you're 30 or if you're 50 or 60 or 70 you have a pile of junk that comes with you when you move and you think they're important I for example I could not bring my books now I collected books and read books I had shelves and shelves and shelves of books and I had to get rid of them all because there's nobody wanted this is what i found out i said you know to my son don't you want these books and he looked down and he was like no and i i was like okay fine so i saved a couple of things that i wanted to save i put those in the cabin and the rest of it i had to get rid of because those books were worthless to most of the people because they don't didn't want to read them 
So those are the things that I, a couple of things that I've learned. And those are the things that when we talk about freedom, most of the time, that's what we're talking about. If you want to be free on the road and you've already started your RV life or whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to want to throw that stuff away. And personally, I don't understand why people bring this stuff with them uh, and they have a giant uh, motorhome and it's full of stuff. And then they're dragging a trailer full of stuff. And we've seen some incredible, we've seen uh, double axle uh, Prevost style coaches with uh, trailers that are the same length. So basically you got 75 feet of trailer and truck to haul your junk around. And we just marvel at that. Now, if that guy wants to do that, then fine. But I'm saying that the freedom comes from basically separating yourself and freeing yourself from these things that weigh you down. And when I say you, I mean me. This has been my experience that this is what really is freeing. The, initially, most people will drive and drive and drive in their first year and they go everywhere that they didn't get a chance to go. And then they and then it runs out. Now, the where the rubber meets the road, I think, is in year two or maybe three or four. I'm starting my fourth year. And this is where you start questioning well, what's this all mean? What's it, for me? There has to be more. This is the thing. Uh, I feel like there has. To, I have to have a little bit more than just going someplace and camping for the winter. So I'm formulating and thinking and planning to be able to think about. Well, what else do I? What else is important to me as a? Um, what else is important to me as a as a nomad? What do I really want to experience? Uh, because it's easy to fall back into a rut of just staying here and going there and staying there and then going back to here and staying here. I don't want to do that. That's the same thing as I may as well just be living in an apartment somewhere. So I will be talking about that stuff in the future as I head out and travel uh, as soon as these rains are over, probably in a couple weeks, to uh, head over to Florida and uh, across the Redneck Riviera, which I've been to before and all through. And, and I want to thank uh, Max and everyone for uh, supporting the Bob Davis podcast at thebobdavispodcast.com, whether you listen to them at iTunes or Google Podcasts or uh, sponsor the Bob Davis podcast like 36lin or gardengurusmn.com. Thank you. And Ryan Plumbing, thank you, as well as all the other sponsors over the years that have assisted and, and helped grow this podcast so, yeah, I'm going to, since we did play that segment, I think we're done. Um, and I, I, as I said, I remain captivated with Nomad Life, and I will report further once I get out on the road, maybe a little bit before. So thanks for listening to Podcast 1130. Thank you, Bob Sweeten, and thank you, uh, Bob and Sherry. Thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast, Podcast 1130. <gasps> Bye-bye.